El futuro tiene nada más que la confrontación. Welcome to Unpopular Opinion. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. I used to write a bunch of weekly columns for a bunch of internet places, and I would use those columns to put forth all sorts of crazy opinions. Then I would come on this show to defend those opinions. But now, who knows what I do? Joining me today, he is my co-host on the Unpops Music Podcasts, which you should be listening to if you're not. He is also the co-host of a fantastic podcast called Look Good for the Boys. I'm sure he'll tell you more about that at the end of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Andy Sell. Also joining me, she is a frequent listener of the podcast, which would explain why she's so nice to me and Andy on this episode. She's also studying to be a lawyer which means she knows way more about the stuff we're going to talk about than me and Andy ever could. Ladies and gentlemen, Rebecca Stewart. It's going to be a great show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Unpopular Opinion. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. Joining me as co-host this week, Ooh, my favorite co-host of all. No co-host. Jeff is in Vegas doing some pretty cool shit, it seems, if you look at his Instagram. So he's fine. He'll be back next week. Nope. Next week is the live podcast. He'll be back after that. You know what? Jeff will be back someday. Take my word for it. But I do have a room full of guests, a Zoom room full of guests. Case in point, Andy is here. Andy Sell. How's it going? Great. Well, you know, I mean, relatively, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. Me and Andy, along with Travis Clark, have just started a new season of The Music Pod, which is now called You Don't Even Like This Band, about Fleetwood Mac. And let me tell you, it's already pretty wild. and It's, it's a Mac attack. It's going to get wilder. Good times. So if you're a Patreon or Supercast subscriber, you could be hearing that right now. Otherwise, it'll be out for free soon. Also joining us, Rebecca Stewart's here, our legal representation. <laughs> Rebecca Stewart. Hi, I'm so excited to be back. Rebecca, how's it going? Thank you for being here. All right, it's delightful. I am waiting to find out if I'm going to be allowed to practice law in the state of Michigan in a couple of months. So just sitting in limbo right now, which is fun. I've been waiting to hear that about myself for a long time. Is there something they I need to do? take forever. Do I need you to? You should probably call somebody and double check that they got everything. Is there like a test I need to take? Or I think so. Okay. I think that's what I did for two days. I'm not. It's all kind of a blur now. Oh, no, that's way too long. I saw a DIY McRib recipe that said it was going to take like six hours. And I <laughs> set that book on fire. There's that can't be that can't be true. It was Six I think it was actually I think it was actually McRib? I think it was actually closer to 12 to 24 hours because it That's, involved a lot of smoking of meats. I feel like at that it's point like, it's not a McRib anymore. It's just like a like yeah. a good rib sandwich. It's, a, yeah, it's, it's just an internet video that I'm not going to watch. N- nothing using the term McRib should take longer than half an hour to make. Mm. Well, unless you're slaughtering the animal and then processing it until it's unrecognizable and then making the mold from hand, I guess, yeah. then maybe. Yeah. I think yeah, those, those pigs like, kill themselves, I think. Tracks. That's yeah. Right. You just get them a subscription to the Washington Post <laughs> and then two weeks later, they're dead. So we're talking about the law like we usually do when Rebecca's here. We're talking about a bunch of different lawsuits that are happening in the world that, you know, you should probably care about. This first one is a doozy. This is a lawsuit that a lot of places are saying could, you know, break democracy. Not a big deal. Yeah, it's pretty low stakes. I think it's generally a bad sign when a democracy gets so fragile that one lawsuit, like it's just been whittled down to that one last thread and it happens to be this lawsuit. Whoops. I mean, it doesn't not feel that way. Yeah. Like it, it, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying I, I'm skeptical. <laughs> I'm saying that this is, it's, wow, what a time to be alive. And it's a lawsuit, this first one. I talked about it just a little bit when I did the solo episode about 
Trump's inevitable next term. It deals with something called independent legislature theory, and the lawsuit is called Moore v. Harper. Rebecca, take us through what Moore v. Harper is about. So Moore v. Harper is a case out of North Carolina. North Carolina picked up a seat in the most recent census, and so they had to redraw their redistricting lines. They did, depending on what party you belong to, either a fantastic or horrific job. So immediately a lawsuit was filed challenging the gerrymandering. The court found, let me find the quote because it it's was, fantastic. In this case, it was Democrats saying Republicans had gerrymandered the district, correct? Yeah. Yes. So three panel judge, uh, oh, bipartisan that panel. Sound like them. Composed of two Republicans and one Democrat found the maps were the product of intentional pro-Republican partisan redistricting. The panel found that the map had extreme partisan outliers and that the congressional map was more advantageous to Republicans in 99.99% of neutral maps. So it was, it was pretty blatant. It was, it was pretty intentional to ensure that Democrats could not get even a tie in the state. So obviously the map was challenged. The judges came back and said that, yep, it's definitely a problem, but we don't know that we can really do anything about it. So they appealed it to the North Carolina Supreme Court. The North Carolina Supreme Court recognized that they have a provision, interestingly enough, in their own constitution that requires that they guarantee their citizens a free, fair, and equal vote in all elections. And so the North Carolina Supreme Court came back and said, not only is this unacceptable, we're not going to allow this to happen. You need to redraw the maps. And so following some expert recommendations, they redrew the maps in a more fair way. Of course, that was immediately appealed to the Supreme Court. They actually did an emergency petition asking that the current map be used for this coming election. Supreme Court said, no, this isn't an emergency. You're going to have to figure your stuff out. But they did grant cert to hear their arguments. So they will hear arguments probably next year on this. What the case comes down to was whether or not the North Carolina Supreme Court had the right to say, no, these districting lines that you've drawn violate the North Carolina Constitution, and we're going to throw it away. So the, the case comes down to whether or not the courts can make decisions about how elections are done within their own states, which is where we get into the independent state legislature doctrine. Right. The independent legislature doctrine, like there's a really extreme version of it, which would basically say that no state Supreme Court can ever strike down a state election law. A state governor can never veto an election law like only the legislature has the right to make decisions when it comes to elections. And that's a horrifying idea when you think about 2020. Like, if you look at Arizona, that was an entire state legislature against one guy who was like, no, you're all fucking crazy. And now the guy running for secretary of state in Arizona, had he been in office when that happened, I could see Arizona maybe like actually overturning their election results or at least trying. And there are quite a few secretaries of state that are running that are big lie supporters in a lot of states. Um, not that that would matter because not even the secretary of state would be able to overrule the legislature under this doctrine if you read it the way Justice Alito seems to be reading it, which yeah. is pretty horrific. What they're looking at is Article 1, Section 4 of the Constitution, which reads, the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed by each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress may any time by law make or alter such regulations except as to the place of choosing senators. Now, what they're taking out of that is the legislature specifically means just the House and Senate of each state. Every legal scholar, including some pretty hard right legal scholars, will tell you the legislature means the legislative process, which includes the checks and balances of the executive and the judiciary. But uh, this specific one, Justice Alito and others seem to say, no, they said the legislature for a meaning. It's a code. Not only if you, is it scary if you look at the, the trends that we're seeing, but it's also just a pretty flagrant attack on the very principle of checks and balances. Like, this is just, like, there are people arguing here that, like, the legislature is basically an unimpeachable, like, like un uncheckable, unbalanceable body. And when it comes to elections. Yeah, yeah. Also, 
It's also funny that like we're that that thing I read the thing you said and that choosing was misspelled and I was like yeah. this is back when they didn't know how to spell choosing correctly we should maybe not apply a literal approach to <laughs> to well, what it, they're saying here. It's a reading similar to like if you've ever read any of the sovereign citizens arguments it's similar in the like no these very specific words have a very specific meaning and if there's gold fringe on the flag it's not a real court and like just bananas interpretations that no competent legal scholar has ever accepted until, you know, the Supreme Court. Yeah, this seems like an idea that it's been batted around for decades, it seems, maybe even centuries. And go figure, it's only really picked up steam in the last 20 years or so as the Supreme Court has started moving more and more to the right. The literal only precedent for it is Justice Alito's concurrence in their dissent about not taking the emergency petition. That is the first time in an actual court case it was mentioned. It's been batted around for a very long time. But yeah, it has gained zero legitimacy in all that time until now. Yeah. And why? What's different now? (laughs) (laughs) It's what's especially troubling is, at least according to a Vox article I read, Seems like this might all just kind of come down to Amy Coney Barrett, who I cannot stop writing it as Amy Comey Barrett on my checks. Still, it's just that those two names. You got to get back to it. Yeah. (laughs) Amy Coney Barrett. It seems like this legit monster might be the swing vote on this. I I can't imagine a scenario that comes down to her that goes in a positive direction. Yeah. (laughs) Like. Yeah. Like whether it's a kickball game or a potentially democracy breaking lawsuit. Yeah. The fact that I don't even need to say it. She just this. I don't any faith whatsoever. There's none. None. Yeah. It according to Vox, four justices, Neil Gorsuch, <laughs> more like Gore sucks. Oh, uh, got him. Clarence Thomas. More Noted like, sexual harasser. Right. More like Clarence sucks. Oh, boom. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And then Samuel Alito and Brett Kavanaugh, more like they suck too. <laughs> Those four have more like okay. Brett Krapenaugh. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Anybody? Good. Okay. So they have all endorsed some version of this doctrine. Four others, meaning the three libs plus John Roberts, have said they won't overrule the Supreme Court's years and years and years of precedents rejecting this doctrine. So that means it's essentially up to old Coney dog (laughs) to save and or destroy democracy. And I do not feel good about democracy's chances. Yeah, I'm going on destroy here. I'm going with destroy. That's where I'm putting my money. And you mentioned Samuel Alito earlier. One of the things I read, it seems like he just kind of wants the Supreme Court to be able to decide when this doctrine is in effect and when it's not, which kind of makes it seem like he just wants to decide how elections go. In yeah, Justice state. Alito recently seems to feel that the laws of the United States should be whatever he and his friends decide they should be, and really nobody else should have a say in that. Yeah, it's almost like this dystopian Wizards Council shit was a bad fucking call. Yeah. It's not great. It's not doing <laughs> great right now. God, how could how could this possibly go wrong? Oh, we didn't know about theocratic fascism yet when we decided this was what we were going to do. Well, yeah. I would also say it's particularly terrifying because this is a this case should not have come to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has long history of saying gerrymandering is a political question. We don't get involved in that. We we deal with the Constitution. We deal with the legality of the laws of the United States. We don't deal with political questions. So they had a free pass to go. Nope, we don't deal with this. Sorry. So for them to take this up is very intentional. And I know it probably still seems kind of confusing for people who are listening to this, but it's like, think of all of those voting laws that have been put in place that seem a little bit racist or that have been, you know, if they haven't passed, like there's so many going around now that are putting all of these different voting restrictions in place 
this would make it so you couldn't really even challenge those laws. Like there would there's, be no ability to challenge them. There would be no one that could stop them from happening. If the legislature decides we're doing X, there would be no one to stand in their way. And I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal for work reasons. Uh, <laughs> you need a disclaimer on that. I do. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can tell I got some gun-toting neighbors, so I, I feel like it's a little bit of camouflage having a copy of the, the Dub SJ showing up at my yeah, door every Saturday morning. Yeah, they're like, he's he's on our team. <laughs> no, I'm not. I use that to mail out eBay packages, fuckface. <laughs> so I read one of their rebuttals to all of the concerns about more v harper and the that's the thing they bring up their argument is well democrats they actually use the phrase riding a gravy train are are riding a gravy train of filing lawsuits meant to help them win and it's like no it seems like democrats are filing lawsuits that make it easier for people to vote which is what is supposed to be the thing like, it's supposed to be easy to vote. It's not supposed to be difficult to vote. And this would strip Democrats of being able to challenge those lawsuits in a lot of cases. Now, riding the gravy train as an obvious red flag of a phrase aside, like, I just feel like it, it just as a general rule, if you encounter that phrase in any piece of writing, you automatically can dismiss everything the person who wrote it says. Well, they're talking uh, about one lawyer in particular. Mark Elias, they are obsessed with Mark <clears throat> Elias and all the money he's making helping black people vote. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's like, I hate that argument, especially when it comes to lawyers. Like, of course, they're going to get paid for what they do. Yeah, I took out $80,000 in loans to get this degree. <laughs> like, I, I expect to be paid yeah. at some point once I can practice. Yeah, people still use the term ambulance chaser as like a, a negative thing. And I'm like, no, that means hero. That's hero. Also illegal. Illegal in all yeah. 50 states. It violates the code of ethics for you to actually be on a premise doing ambulance chasing type yeah. things. And so, but like people, <laughs> so, people so should get it's paid. It's like the same as saying gremlin or a unicorn. Yes. People yes. should get paid for what they do. I rented a car on Turo, which is like Airbnb for cars. Oh. And this guy was like, yeah, we can also like take it to the airport and drop it off there, or you can come here and get it. It's an extra charge if we drop it off at the airport. And full disclosure, I do make some money off of that because I do have to drive the car to the airport. And I was like, man, you don't have to explain to me why you make a little money to drive a car to the airport for me. So Your it's just time has waiting value. for me. And you know why he has to explain that because there have mm -hmm. been probably so many people leaving reviews who are like, it doesn't actually cost that much to drive to the airport. He made $15 on that. So, like, save me with this Mark Elias guy is making money helping black people vote. Good, because a lot of people have been doing shit like that for no money for a long time. So exactly. I hope he's making a fucking killing. Doing well, and a it. great example of, like, so in Georgia, I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but they outlawed the ability to hand out water or pizza to people waiting in line to vote, which is a frequent thing people do, yeah. because if you're waiting in a line for hours, you frequently get thirsty or need something to eat in order mm -hmm. to stay yeah they made that illegal that's just one absurd thing that's already <laughs> happened before this case even came i cannot imagine the kind of rules they're going to put in place yeah. yeah well the idea right is that it's all, the idea has long been just politically speaking that like when more people are able to vote progressive candidates progressive causes tend to win so if you're in a party that's like maybe against progressive causes and progressive candidates, you want to make sure as few people vote as possible. And that's like long been kind of like a leftist truth, right? But like, now it's just mask off. Like the VRA gets dismantled. And now they're just like, well, we yeah, we don't want people to vote. So don't give them water. Don't give them pizza. What else can we do to stop people from voting? And th this idea that they talk about the abuse of I mean, it's the simple truth, right? Voter intimidation, voter suppression is real. Voter fraud really isn't like it's there aren't people out there cheating the system to vote more or vote incorrectly like and you bring up 
the Voting Rights Act, which is a good segue because the Wall Street Journal brings it up also. And one of their arguments is, well, anything the state legislature does is still going to be subject to things like the Constitution and the 15th Amendment and the Voting Rights Act. And speaking of the Voting Rights Act, this is a quote from an NBC News article about all of these Republican-led efforts to pass really restrictive voting laws in 2021. Quote, experts say the recent wave of restrictions was made possible by the Supreme Court's recent limits on the Voting Rights Act of 1965, particularly gutting the preclearance provision that once allowed the Justice Department to block discriminatory voting laws before they were implemented, end quote. So the Voting Rights Act is not going to save us. Like, it hasn't been so far. Well, and there's a particular arrogance to saying, well, the Constitution will protect you, particularly when, like, the Constitution does not explicitly protect women's rights to vote. That's That's not in there. We're just making the argument that because I'm a citizen, I can vote. But yeah. We have not actually carved out a protection for people like myself. That's pretty horrifying. I don't take a lot of solace in the, oh, the Constitution will protect me. And I'm like, I mean, this is the same Constitution that allowed people to find someone like me as property up until about 100 years ago. So it was not until the Nixon administration that I could have a bank account without a man on it. They also point out that the electors clause that governs presidential elections It gives state legislatures the power to set the manner of choosing presidential electors, but that Congress gets to say when they do it, and federal law says they shall be appointed on election day. And the Wall Street Journal presents that as another protection against any shenanigans when it comes to this independent legislature theory. But if you look into, like, again, I I don't think I brought it up in the solo episode about Trump, but one of the things he's super duper campaigning on is that our election should work the same way France's most recent election worked in that it's all paper ballots all that day. Anything else, like there's some very, very specific circumstances where you can mail in a ballot or have someone bring a ballot in for you, but they're very, very limited. And in most cases, it's only paper and only stuff that day counts. So what the fuck does it matter if they can't change things after Election Day if all you want to count is on Election Day? So I'm assuming he's up, not Wall including, you know, requiring employers to give people time off to go to work. And I certainly imagine they're not doing a runoff ballot system, which I would be totally in favor of if he wants to follow the French model. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I believe the French election is on Sunday. I believe it is on a weekend. Yes. So, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we want to get yeah, really I'm literalist totally about it. this, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. See, that's the thing. They will argue for this, but they'll still be like, no, it's got to be on Tuesday. It's in the Constitution that it's on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah You can't imme- spell Tuesday well, we, without Constitution. We can't do everything the way France does it, because <laughs> then, we'll be, then we'll be things. too French, and we have to be American. So we'll do some French things, because like we have the Statue of Liberty. That's French, I think. So we'll do some <laughs> French things, but we're going to do them in an American way, and the American way is on Tuesday. All of the other stuff, French, totally, sure, absolutely. But American, no runoff, and not a weekend. So just when I wa- honestly America. wouldn't be surprised if you see, I mean, obviously you'll see more voter ID laws come into play yeah. if this happens. I would not be surprised if they start doing things like, no, polls close at six, and we don't care if you're aligned at six. You haven't voted by six, so therefore you're not going to get to vote. You should have taken time off, or you should have come earlier. Or Yeah, it's going to be a whole lot of that. And yeah. if this goes the way the right wants it to go we won't be able to do shit about it yeah good times. Well, i would also say I, I do have some right friends who are also terrified by this who live in new york who would hate to see that legislature make some rules about them now i would like to think that our party wouldn't do something like that but still if you are afraid of the other party and what they could do in power when they have unchecked ability to make the rules this is important and you should give a shit about it yeah yeah that's the thing no one ever well, thinks of is what it, what happens when the other party has it. We we have seen Democrats do stuff like this, though. Certainly we, there's we been saw history. Them, we Democrats saw them do are, it in the primaries just in 2020. Like, Well, Democrats are gerrymandering the shit out of New York. Mm-hmm. And Republicans are very, very, very upset about it. 
some of those Democrat maps in New York are fucking absurd. Like they just cut miles into places that make no sense. Just so like really left leaning, like it's gerrymandering. I don't have to explain yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, speaking of New York. Yeah. Should we talk about <laughs> this next lawsuit? So comforting. This one makes me feel good. Pizza, bagels, other stuff they got there, right? Hey, thank you everyone who came to the Unpops live show that was in New York yesterday. Thank you for not bringing a gun. It seems like you are allowed to now, according to the Supreme Court. I, I, I hope nobody brings a gun now. Like, I hope that you didn't just curse yourself. <laughs> Knock on some fucking wood, Adam. My desk is real wood. It's fine. Okay. Excellent. So, yeah, this law that, like, this has already settled. Like, this already went the wrong way, right? So... It went the wrong way, but it was put back to the New York court. So it has not been implemented in New York yet, as far as I'm aware. But the New York judges have been given explicit instructions on what they're to do now. And like, I know the Constitution says we have the right to bear arms. I didn't realize that was a thing the Supreme Court like never really took up or defined in any real way until 2008. There was a Supreme Court ruling that said the Second Amendment protects a person's right to own guns, but that it was limited to keeping guns at home for self-defense. I think that is that the Washington, D.C. handgun so that's, law that uh, they shot down. <laughs> it's D.C. It's D.C. v. Heller. But then there was a so interestingly enough. Sorry, guys, I do get wonky because D.C. is not a state that does not apply to states, but there was a similar law in Illinois. So it's a pair of cases, but it's it's commonly known as D.C. versus Heller. So they have expanded on that now. Yes. When yes. they made this ruling in 2008, it said, yes, you, the Constitution says you can have guns, but just at home. And so this is also this is D.C. This is the place that had to change the name of their fucking basketball team. Yes. Because yes, it is. Because they were too afraid. Of, and it's like, yeah. I guess when you're thinking about guns, it's a problem. But when it's actual guns, we're hey, we're fine. Yeah. It used to be the bullets, which brings to mind gun violence. Now they're the wizards, which brings to mind our white supremacist government yeah. in Washington, D.C. Much better. Yeah. Much better. So much better. So they took up a case in New York that involved this New York law that required showing a special need to get a permit to carry a concealed handgun in public. And the law said you had to show some kind of need beyond just self-defense for a concealed carry permit. And a couple of gun owners sued and were like, man, the Second Amendment says I can carry a gun. And their argument was that this law turned the Second Amendment into a limited privilege and not a constitutional right. And the Supreme Court agreed. Thanks, Supreme Court. Essentially, yes. So Justice Kavanaugh's concurrence kind of clarifies a little bit. Essentially, what we have in most states is either a may issue law or a shall issue law. Shall issue laws mean you have to give them a concealed carry and you can put some restrictions on it. May issue laws tend to give a lot more discretion to whomever is making the decision. New York took it a step further and put it fully in the discretion and eliminated one of the common arguments that people have, which is usually in a May issue state, you say, I need it for personal protection. I don't feel safe in the neighborhood I work, where I live, something like that. And they'll grant you a concealed carry depending on different factors. New York took it a step further and said, personal protection is not acceptable. We're not going to let you use that. That does not, we're not going to give you the discretion to allow that to be a thing. So you have to give a compelling reason for why you need to carry a gun outside your home. Right. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, you can't make it that stringent. And by saying that, that's going to clear the way for a lot of other lawsuits in other states, like especially California, Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts and New Jersey all have laws that were kind of similar to New York's and Washington, D.C. Also, Washington, D.C., the reason people are concerned about this and democracy is Washington, D.C., I don't know the specific law, but it seems like you can't, like if you're an out-of-state visitor, you can't conceal carry a weapon. You are not allowed to bring guns in Washington, D.C. And boy, was that handy on January 6th. 
But also imagine, like me and Andy did a podcast about Steve Earle, and one of the most fun side notes about that man is that he once refrained from driving to someone's house and potentially murdering them because he did not have a driver's license. (laughs) And I guess he didn't want to get a ticket or anything on the way to committing murder. Like imagine going to that didn't save the master that he shot with a 50 cal though. Correct. (laughs) Master recording, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Like imagine going like his Kung Fu teacher or something. (laughs) Imagine going to storm the Capitol, but also being like, but I'm going to observe local DC gun laws. Don't you worry. (laughs) Not a problem. Yeah. And like, we're lucky a lot of people did because next time they might not have to. Like one of the arguments I saw is how can Washington DC say, yes, you can conceal carry a gun in Washington DC for personal protection, but I as a person going there can't like don't I need the same protection that the people who live there need well and it's worth noting if you go to another state so say you have a concealed carry permit in Illinois and you drive across state lines into Indiana they have a different law you don't have a license to carry in that state it's state issued so it's pretty common but it's also a frequent argument of well, it's my federal right, and I shouldn't have to get a different license. It should be full faith and credit. I'm being discriminated against for my freedom movement. It's so funny how they're all, well, the federal government isn't what we want to go by until it affects their ability to carry a gun. Like, they're all states' rights, states' rights, until it's like, oh, I can't bring a gun to Washington, D.C. on January 6th? Why not? Well, it's an argument that didn't fly when it came to gay marriage and why is my marriage recognized in one state but not another? And that was not a legitimate argument to most of the same people who are now arguing my right to concealed carry should be nationwide and it shouldn't matter what state I'm in. Go figure. Right. They're normally so consistent. It's almost like the stuff that they say they believe in is not the thing that they believe in. Mm. (laughs) Come on, Andy. I'm sorry, that's too much. Let's not harsh. be rude. Let me back up. Let me back up. I'm trying to reach the... across the aisle on this episode. <laughs> I mean, I feel like everybody's tune would change pretty quickly if we saw Panthers at the mall again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I feel it's... like suddenly we wouldn't feel as strongly as we do right now. And I also find it interesting, the Supreme Court, that's very upset they got doxxed, but you're going to let people concealed carry near where you live? I don't feel like you want that. Yeah. Yeah. That seems dangerous and yeah i know you mean black panthers yes but i mean the panthers, i know it's not possible but like real panthers with guns yeah, yeah. that would be horrifying holy shit holy yeah. shit that would change some fucking minds yeah it's an apex predator right there baby with a gun now so this doesn't like necessarily mean overnight like everyone's going to be carrying guns everywhere but it is probably going to lead to a lot of lawsuits about what constitutes a sensitive place. And I don't know if I find it funny is the right way to put it, ironic, but I just feel like after all of these years of right-wingers using school shootings as like some kind of indication that Democrats are coming to take their guns, I feel like they're going to be the ones leaning on school shootings in cases like this. Where they're like, what do you mean a school is a sensitive place? I can't bring a gun. Do you see what's happening in schools? I should be able to put a gun in my kid's backpack. And I thought the Constitution allowed that, Your Honor. You know, the only thing that stops a student with a gun. Teacher with a gun. a good student with another gun, yeah. (laughs) I was going to say guidance counselor with a gun. (laughs) Ideally, ideally. Janitor with a gun probably would help. Right place, right time. Teeny tiny librarian. You know what doesn't help? Lunch lady with a gun. Lunch lady with a gun. That's a movie I'd watch. You know what doesn't help, as it turns out? Cops. Yeah. Oh. Not so much. Yeah. They. Oh, that is. That oh. footage is horrifying. Ooh, people should yeah. be in prison for that yeah. shit. Oh, and I mean the shooter and those fucking cops. Well, the shooter's dead, right? Yes. I don't care. What does he Where's... matter? Anyway. <laughs> well, and so what I would say is. For a long time, there used to be a two-step process. You looked at a right. You looked at traditionally whether or not that right had been protected. If the answer was yes, we don't. We go no further. That right is protected and there's nothing to, we can do about it. 
if the answer was no or it was ambiguous, then you did a deeper dive into what's the history of the use, what is the context of the... It becomes a much more detailed analysis. The Supreme Court got rid of that original threshold. They just completely eliminated that. They said, we're not doing step one anymore. We're going... Like, literally said, we're going to step two. Two steps is, is one step too many, honestly. Quoting Justice Thomas, it is one step too many. <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke, Andy. Oh, God. I, I even Look, there's no such thing as satire or parody anymore because the truth is already at that point. I mean, this decision is insane. The big part is it, he says only if a firearm regulation is consistent with the nation's historical tradition may a court conclude that the individual's conduct falls outside of the Second Amendment's unqualified command. I would note for the grammarians out there, there is there is a qualification in the Second Amendment. Yeah, literally. <laughs> That's like the people that are like, no pronouns in this school. And it's like, well, how am I supposed to address anyone? Yeah. <laughs> you know what they mean, Andy. There's literally a fucking qualifier. Yes. Oh, this is wild. I don't it's- want people to be able to carry guns in more places. I remember at least someone who lived in Minneapolis at the time described it to me this way. But I went to, it was either the Mall of America or First Avenue. I've been both places. But at one of those places, I believe there was a lawsuit where someone was found carrying a gun and they got in trouble for it. And he was like, they didn't tell me I couldn't carry a gun here. And like every place had to put up signs that said, don't carry a gun here. Like we have to tell you. And now it's this where it's like First Avenue would get in trouble for putting up a sign that said, don't carry a gun here. That would be violating their rights. Violating the constitutional rights of people who might want to shoot at one of the replacements. Well, and it's important to know, Justice Thomas goes back to the 12th century to look for (laughs) historical precedents. Why do we even save books from back then? Fuck it. Great question. If I can just read you a sampling. (laughs) Please. This is is from the opinion. If you're looking at the opinion, the page will say... 33, but the actual page is 39. When handguns were introduced in England during the Tudor and early Stuart eras, they did prompt royal efforts at suppression. For example, Henry VIII issued several proclamations decrying the proliferation of handguns, and Parliament passed several statutes restricting their possession. But Henry VIII's displeasure with handguns arose not primarily from concerns about their safety, but rather their inefficacy. No shit. I'm, yeah, I'm like, wait, Henry VIII, is this science fiction to them? Are, there, yeah. is there, it, are they just imagining handguns? <laughs> I, I would note no citations. No citations. Isn't he the guy that killed all his wives? <laughs> yeah, first of all, why are, we, why are we talking about Henry VIII in this context at all? Secondly, the, yeah, exactly. You said that it wasn't because handguns were a problem. It's because uh, they, they were, were too hard to use. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're you talking can't... about the Tudors. We're literally <laughs> citing to the Tudors. Oh. I, it is. I, just, I believe he had when, something going back to like 1400. And you're just like, this is really where we're going back to make. When he said outside of right, the, the na- our nation's historical tradition regarding mm-hmm. this and it's like well that's first of all now you're going out to another nation that's not yes. even our nation historic <laughs> but what historical tradition are you talking like are we going to invoke shay's rebellion are we going to talk about like deserters after the revolutionary war trying to use guns to get what they wanted like what the fuck is he talking about i personally think this means i'm allowed to have a guillotine that i keep outside of my home yeah. to keep you know predators from entering my property of course yeah. but you know i've I've read all the stats. You own a guillotine, you think it's for self-defense, and you end up just getting it used on you. Like, well, you the- got to keep it clean. You got to keep it sharp. Accidents yeah. happen. It's maintenance. It's, a, it's an apparatus. It's a machine with moving parts. You're gonna, it, it needs regular maintenance. You're going to end up just hanging clothes on it like a fucking treadmill <laughs> that no one uses. Also, buy a gun the- is what I'm saying. Guillotines, we we like to talk about guillotines as like the weapon of choice for, you know, symbolizing a people's uprising or something. Here's what I'll say about guillotines. 
They're unwieldy. You can only do one at a time. And there's a line. You got to wait. They got to wait in line. Nobody likes the line. Machetes. That's where it's at. I was going to say swords. Yeah, swords. They're portable. Everybody can carry one and everybody gets a whack. That's machetes are the are the are the new guillotine. I say. Oh, if you think Justice Thomas does not wax poetically about how everyone used to carry knives and swords, there's a solid 30 pages of English history of weaponry that he uses to justify this decision. It's bananas. If he, I just want to make a list, a bingo card of weapons <laughs> that he could mention in that and see if I get, like, like I want to know if nunchucks are in there. Oh, I want to know if me like, so happy. any weapon yeah. developed by like Okinawan villagers against That's, the Japanese. Whatever gun decision is next is going to reference samurai and yeah. fucking Vikings. <laughs> I mean, it is a decision that Trebuchet. I hope several decades from now law students look at and go what was wrong with everyone during this period of time how is this a supreme court justice decision and then all those people will be shot yeah exactly so <laughs> let's talk about some bonus lawsuits that aren't they're not necessarily going to destroy democracy but they are things that are happening right now case in point Oh, man, my heart bleeds for Elon Musk. He's having such a tough time now with this whole Twitter thing. And here's the thing. I'm joking. Uh, (laughs) Twitter fucking sucks. And it still will suck if Elon Musk buys it. It will still suck if he doesn't buy it. I don't know if I've ever cared about the outcome of a lawsuit less than this, unless it ends with everyone involved just agreeing to fucking go to space forever. I mean, I th- I think to me, it's just like, I would love to be free from Twitter finally. So if he bought Twitter, I would, I would be done with it. And I would never have to again, have that curse in my life. That's the only investment I have in it. Cause I'm not going to quit it on my own. I would love to, I would love to have the strength to quit Twitter on my own, but I'm not going to, I need something to force me, but also, yes, I would love everyone involved to go to space and die there. <laughs> But See, I, I'm just excited to find out how much money he's going to lose because he's going to lose so much money. Probably, yeah. I did come across an article, though, about this lawsuit and this one number that seems to be at the heart of this lawsuit. And it seems like Elon, well, I mean, if you've read anything that's out in the public about this, Elon Musk seems to be upset in that he feels Twitter underrepresented how much of their user base is spam accounts and bots. And there's this one number, monetizable daily active users. MDAOs. MDAOs, which, yeah, sounds like a paramilitary group that's committing (laughs) genocide somewhere. Like kidnap some heiress and there's videotape of her (laughs) robbing banks. MDAOs. By the way, Paul Schrader's movie about Patty Hearst is really good. <laughs> okay. It's a good one. Sorry. I'll have to check you, it out. Yeah. So, Rebecca, did you read this article? Do you? I did. Do you have I any did. insight on this lawsuit? Because it's the only part that has kept my attention at all. So, it's really interesting. It's it, This is an internal number system that Twitter uses to see how many daily users are looking at ads. It's how they kind of value themselves by saying, look at this is how many eyeballs we've got on ads. And part of what they do with this is they try to figure out how many bots are on there. That's part of that metric that they're looking at. But it, it's mostly to determine in their monetization. And part of what they said is they think that about 5% of their daily users are bots. What's really interesting, and we can go into the nitty gritty of how are they doing these numbers, and there's all kinds of debate about what's the proper way to calculate this. What I love so much about this is Elon has been all up in arms. There's all these Twitter bots. The users are not the numbers that they say they are. And so I can't buy Twitter because they're lying to me. They didn't give me the right information. I can't buy them without this information. They have to turn it over. Right. (laughs) However, if you look at his filings, if you look at what he said in his filings to buy, so what he told the SEC, the agreement is to buy Twitter as is. Uh, He has no representations or warranties in the contracts, no due diligence provision. It is as is. So this is why this is Elon that. This is why I'm like, who is his attorneys? Because I could do it for a third of the price. <laughs> That'd still be so much money. 
And oh my God. put that in perspective for people who this might be a little too technical for. Imagine buying a house as is. And so you, you, you're taking it as is. You're not going to do an inspection. You're going to re- take the reports you receive from the current homeowners and call it a day. And you sign that contract. You are waiting on closing. And you demand to be allowed up on the roof so that you can expect the roof. It's not. No, you've already agreed to buy it as is. You don't get to come back and go, well, I need to look at the nails on the roof because if the nails on the roof are not, you know, where exactly I want them, then I'm going to back out. It's too late. You've already agreed to accept it for what it is. Yeah, because his whole thing, right, is that he's just like, he's like, well, they won't give me the info I need to conduct my investigation. And yes, it's like, except he already agreed to buy it without yeah, doing any investigation. What the fuck do you know, Elon? You don't get to do an investigation. That's not your th- You don't know how to do anything. So is he arguing that they entered into that original agreement in bad faith or something so by overrepresenting their user base? His original argument was just they're not giving me the information and the contract states that any information I need in order to either get funding for the purchase or to complete the transaction you have to give me. And Twitter was like, yeah, we gave you everything you wanted. And he's like, no, I need the numbers. Your numbers are a lie. I really, if I'm being totally honest, at the point in which they entered into that agreement, Tesla was worth a hell of a lot more. At the time that he started complaining about these MDAUs, Tesla's stock had decreased significantly and he had lost the funding that was tied to Tesla stock. So he no longer had the money to complete this transaction. And I think this is all just a red herring because he is a lot poorer than he was when he signed and he can't pay. Well, and now Tesla's in even more trouble. Yes. With their cars hitting kids and shit. So like he's (laughs) he's and and actively like publicly trying to bury the footage of it. Yeah, he just doesn't have the money. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> you can't just call him up and be like, yeah, so when I said I'd do the deal, I was a little more flush than I am now. And honestly, I'm a little short. So let's just do, I won't take a whole quarter. We'll just do an eighth. <laughs> the problem for him is if he breaches, I want to say it's a $10 million penalty. Is that a lot of money to him, though? I don't think so. But when you're hemorrhaging money, that becomes... Yeah. a lot of money. I'm, I'm all about as many holes as we can put in his shit as possible. There is Ten- also <laughs> an argument because this would go before a Delaware court. Delaware is one of the few states that has precedent to do what's called specific performance in a contract. So generally speaking, when you breach a contract, the goal is to put the parties back into the position they were in before the breach. So we just want to put everybody back as though this never happened in the first place. That's usually the remedy you get. In certain contracts, so again, the house is a good metaphor. Homes are a specific performance contract. Land is considered so unique that you can't put the parties back where they were supposed to be. And so you can force somebody to sell their house if you had an agreement and it's a valid agreement. That's considered specific performance. Delaware has a history of forcing corporations to go through with mergers when they try (laughs) to back out. Uh, So there, there is some speculation that Elon doing what he's doing he's really trying to throw up every red herring he can in order to avoid the court forcing him to buy twitter with money he does not have anymore uh, i love this i love so, this. yeah it's it's a bit of a pickle he's gotten himself into he's certainly gonna end up out quite a bit of money regardless i, I want to see him on cameo <laughs> i want to see him i want to see him having to fucking do that kind of shit i want to see him going to conventions like- well, i would also say on Twitter's behalf, and I, I'm certainly not a fan of Twitter, there is an argument that there is certain data that they, number one, don't have to release because it's not relevant to what he's trying to do. And that number two, they can't release it to him because he tweets constantly. And he could, if he does discover that there's more fake bots than what they're saying, he could end up tanking Twitter's stock and they have a fiduciary duty to protect trade secrets Until he owns the company, and then he can do what he wants with that information. But they do still have a fiduciary obligation. And given that he likes to tweet everything he's doing constantly, and he's been no stranger to tweeting specifically about the purchase of Twitter, they do have a solid argument for why they can't give him that information. And it's written in their contract that they have to still follow their obligations to their stockholders until he has purchased the company. Yeah, he should have to agree to be locked out of his Twitter account Yeah, while this yeah. is happening. Yeah. yeah. Like, that seems like that would fix that. Like, Can we also see if he'll agree to being locked out of his house? <laughs> Just 
Apparently, he signs shit without reading it. So I, I, that blows I, my mind. To have no provisions about warranties or the state of the company in such a huge... I mean, this is, you know, more money than most of us will see in a thousand lifetimes. And he had no provisions to double check yeah. that everything was the way it was supposed to be. This is huge, pretty horrific. This huge Just, deal. And he signs like a fucking Motown contract. Yeah. <laughs> And, and again, files it with the SEC. This is this is on record. Anybody can pull up and look at his filings. Like this isn't even a private agreement. This is a merger that is recorded. Did, sh- just... did Suge Knight show up at the yeah. studio and beat the shit out of him? Held, held Elon Musk over the railing outside of a hotel room. What the fuck happened? So I think. Ultimately, what Elon's trying to say is that the entire deal was fraudulent and that he was misled because. If everything that they interacted with was fraud, that'll negate a contract. I think he's going to have a hard time doing that, given that he likes to talk about how he's Mr. Big Shot and he's brilliant. And I can't imagine there weren't any attorneys at the table when he was looking over that paperwork. So I think he's going to have a hard time getting what he wants. And I don't think what he wants is even going to prove what he's hoping, given that he signed saying he was essentially buying it as is. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, his countersuit to prove Easy e was murdered with an AIDS needle is also weird. (laughs) I thought that was strange, too. That's really only because he wants the technology. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope Elon Musk loses and loses a bunch of money. That'd be funny. That's fine. He's I so rich. I think M- MDAO would be a good name for his next kid. <laughs> Probably, yes. It's, Can those... we get that man to stop procreating, please? Yeah, that would be nice. Is he still with Grimes? Are they still together? No, they split. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't know why. Should we talk about this credit card company lawsuit really quick? Yeah, why not? I just find it fascinating that Visa is like super duper being accused of facilitating child porn. Like it's this doesn't seem like a thing that's going to go away super easy for Visa. And I feel like it's just because Visa spreads around so much ad money that this isn't bigger news. Yeah, I was surprised that the article you sent was the first thing I'd even seen about it. And even the way that that article is structured, it's almost a blurb. Yeah, it's like, a hey, did you know this is going on? Also, yeah, yeah. there's some pretty good <laughs> concerts in your neighborhood this weekend. Yeah. It's like, it's, excuse me? It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like, wait, handbrake, hold on for a second. This is a quote from... The judge who is ruling in this, if Visa was aware that there is a substantial amount of child porn on MindGeek sites, which the court must accept as true at this stage of the proceedings, then it was aware that it was processing the monetization of child porn, moving money from advertisers to MindGeek for advertisements playing alongside child porn like plaintiff's videos. Ugh. So I will put a caveat on that. That was in response to a motion to dismiss under, sorry, we're going to get wonky for a minute. Under civil procedure in the United States, the moving parties, when a party moves to be dismissed, the court has to take the other side's positions as true. So when Visa moves to dismiss, they have to take the complaint as true, which included the allegations that Visa knew. So that's why it says it that way. But Well, that's good for Visa. I think it's an easy sell to the average person to say Pornhub had a lot of uploading of individual users. It was pretty easy to see some young girls on that site. A cursory glance through the site would have told you that there's probably what looks like child pornography. Visa is an enormous company who specifically chooses not to work with certain brands. They don't offer their services to everyone. They had the assets and the power to look into this. They chose to monetize. Yeah. So I I don't think it's a huge leap to say that they had the ability to look into it, that they have historically chosen not to work with certain vendors, and that they chose to work with them. They were turning a blind eye to something they knew was probably happening. Yeah. If there's any kind of like scrutinizing process on their end for who they choose to you know, how they choose to monetize and who they choose to go with and who they choose to reject. It's like, well, there's there's some oversight here. So somebody didn't do their job or you're fucking evil. Yeah, it's one of the two. And And both are bad. This isn't savings and loan. This is an enormous conglomerate that has the ability to look into these kind of things. And they chose not to. 
and or they did and they went in fully knowing what was happening which is even more horrific and were they the only payment processor that MindGeek was using? Because I've, so, I've only ever seen, like, I, again, haven't seen a whole lot written about this, but it never, like, mentions American yeah, like, Express. Maybe exactly. they're not everywhere. Are there other be. credit card companies that chose to, you know, not work with them? Yeah. So here's part of the suit that blows my mind. Who's paying for porn? Well, like, mean... I've never even seen a <laughs> checkout button. I have no idea what credit cards are accepted. Like... Who, who are these people who are buying it? Well, it's just through... No, I think it's just monetizing the ads, right? Through the through the site. Like the oh. ads that they're supplying to the page. Yes. And it's the okay. idea is that these oh, okay. ads are on the same page as a video portraying, you know, this this awful shit. Like, and they didn't... You know what I mean? Like, if, yeah. if it's... Yeah, it's and not I... like... I was tempted it's not like to make a login sure. unless you want to save your searches to Pornhub. So I'm like, I don't even know where you put credit card information <laughs> in. I mean, unless maybe it is, maybe maybe it is tied in with like some kind of subscription service. I, I, I don't I know. I believe it was tied into the because tr- that's where you get the sex trafficking is that you yeah. are funneling money to sex traffickers and by I, having them pay for access. One question would have been, well, how did the first person to find out that there's child porn on Pornhub and be offended about it? find it like how yeah. like, but it's i believe because someone came forward and was like hey yes, there was a I'm 15 in that video yes, uh, 15 year old girl yeah. who had her video ended up on the site and was like hey that's not yep i'm a minor that's illegal and then it came to pass that she was not the only one by a wide wide margin very bad times very what bad a times. horrible Fucking, job to have to go through that entire library. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some paralegal is being assigned to... And there's... I don't know how they do it, but we just covered a documentary called The Most Hated Man on the Internet, mm-hmm. which is about a revenge porn site from the like mid-2000s or 2010s. And there's a part in there where this ex-Marine IT guy who seems like Charlie from... It's always sunny if Charlie could stab you at any moment. (laughs) He was able to go on this site and like validate people's ages in their pictures. Just like on his, I don't think he was like calling the girls and being like, Hey, how old are you in this (laughs) missy? And meanwhile, the guy running the site just had like two fucking kids, like not kids, but like very young people just looking at each picture and like verifying it on their own. Like, there has to be a more sophisticated process than that, I would think. Well, particularly when sex crimes involving minors, it's absolute. So like statutory rape, it doesn't matter if she told you she's 21. It doesn't matter if she provided a fake ID. Right. You had sex with a minor, therefore you have broken the law. It doesn't matter what she said. So I got to imagine the system to verify a person's age when you are working in the porn industry, you'd have to take pretty seriously. Yeah. I would hope yeah, I think well, we all hope. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly it. You hope, and for the most part, maybe you're right to hope. Maybe most people are doing exactly what they need to be doing. But the problem is, you always have people that are going to be. Look, th- I understand this is not a good comparison or good analogy, but like the promoters behind Woodstock '99. Like, you can have a million <laughs> other festivals where they're doing all the work they need to be doing to make sure that all the T's are crossed, all the I's are dotted, and everything's taken care of to make sure that nothing goes wrong. But then you get these fucking idiots that don't know what they're doing. And sometimes that's what happens is you get people that don't know what they're doing or don't care who lack some kind of ethical center, you know, or moral compass at all, and just like, are like, fuck it, whatever. I'm not going to do any of the due diligence or, or any of the, the oversight that's needed to make sure that this is done in an ethical manner and that nobody's being like destroyed. Yeah. It seems like this one isn't that far along, but Visa has stopped a lot of, I, I think they have cut their payment processing to mind what? geek in response to this. And it's like, yeah, little, little performative, don't you think? Yeah. Seeing as how like Craigslist and backdoor and certain pages just got straight up shut down following passage of legislation. Yeah. I feel like that would have been a good time for the legal team at Visa to be like, hey guys, we should probably double check what we're all involved with and make sure it's above board. We have the resources to do it. Yeah. But I I guess they didn't, which is pretty horrifying. And then on top of that, (laughs) 
Visa just cannot stop getting sued by fucking Disney. I would rather be sued by God <laughs> than Disney. Are you kidding me? The resources they have? Disney, apparently, I didn't know any of this. They filed an antitrust lawsuit against Visa and MasterCard. All right, hold on. Who the fuck mm-hmm. is Disney mm-hmm. to be filing antitrust lawsuits? These motherfuckers have monopoly <laughs> on everything. How dare they even say the word antitrust, these motherfuckers? This is how you get a monopoly on everything. You file lawsuits <laughs> like they this. They are the experts in monopolies, Andy. Yeah, they know that's... exactly what they are and what they aren't. Takes one to know one kind mm-hmm. of uh, a situation, I guess, yeah. And it's actually... Not the first time. There was initially a 2005 lawsuit where Disney filed a lawsuit against credit card companies over the fees that they charge on their transactions, which it's Disney doing it. But imagine how many people in the world are like, oh, fuck, yeah, thank you so much. Because right, those... Disney's kind of being a little bit of a hero to the small yeah. businesses out there that want to take credit cards but have a hard time dealing with the fees. Yeah, and they filed that lawsuit, and it was settled for $6 billion in 2012. And apparently Disney is like, no, it's not enough. You, <laughs> They backed out. Yeah. And yeah, they, <laughs> they basically like claim work in 2012. It's been 10 years. Things have changed. The lawsuit's back on. Well, they claim Visa and MasterCard kind of use some, they kind of cook the books a little bit to make it seem like their stranglehold on the industry isn't what it really is. And it's like, yeah, of course, Visa and MasterCard run everything like that's that seems pretty obvious. So but now they're back in court over this because, yeah. Disney backed out, you said? So a bunch of the large retailers actually opted out of the settlement because they did not like the terms. So they said, forget it. We, we'll figure out a better deal. So like Walmart thought they could negotiate a better deal on their own. And so did Amazon. And I guess Disney was like, no, we're just going to sue you again. <laughs> <laughs> with, we're not, not going to negotiate with you. We, we're Disney. We'll just sue you again. Disney's lawyers are more fucked up than Amazon's. <laughs> that should tell you something. <laughs> no, it's, it's money and power, man. They yeah. make whatever their bosses say happen. They're going to make it happen. I am True. certain that those are all Ivy League top three of their graduating class making absurd amounts of money to dance when Disney asked them to. So Imagine getting sued for child porn and sued by Disney at the same time. Yeah, like at some point, Visa's going to be like, what about all that child porn stuff they get accused of? Is <laughs> no one going to sue them? I cannot me- imagine being the clerk who receives those complaints in the legal department who's like, guys, I got some really bad news. This, well, it's been quite a day. <laughs> Let me tell you about my after lunch experience today. Visa's I feel can't like- imagine being in the boardroom meeting where it's like, all right, we got two teams one needs to deal with the child pornography allegations and the other needs to go against the attorneys at Disney. Like yeah. who wants to join which team? Do you, th- do you think there's anybody on their, on their legal team that's just like, should we get them to fight each other somehow? <laughs> yeah. Can we, it's like a Kong versus Godzilla scenario. And they're like, can we get Disney and Pornhub to forget about us and fight each other? Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, that visa will probably just, file some QAnon-backed lawsuit against Disney for implanting satanic and pedophilia oh, yeah. images oh, yeah. and all yeah, of their yeah. cartoons and things. Yeah, that would be, that would be a fun countersuit. <laughs> I would just send one of the paralegals to be like, all right, find all the copyrighted Disney music that's in the background of Pornhub videos and just <laughs> anonymously send that over, see if yeah. that distracts them. <laughs> it probably would. Oh, what a world. What a world we live in. Good times. If you are wealthy, man, you can just buy whatever you want. You really can. And oh, the lawsuits you can file. That's the scariest thing about rich people and how our court system works. doesn't matter if it's a frivolous lawsuit. It'll destroy your life just fucking defending it. Oh, it's fascinating to see the... (laughs) Just utter chaos of debt that can be brought upon you by one lawsuit. Nuts. Let's try it. Sue someone. 
Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, we should sue everyone once I have a license. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. Let's. We'll just sue let's everyone. Let's go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you've all been served. Yeah. This is. You're now on notice. Everyone listening right yeah. now, you're on notice. Class action lawsuit. We're suing Andy. <laughs> what the fuck? What did I do? I'm sorry. You just. I. I'm gonna sue you. Oh. I feel like there's a oh, lot I'm of clips, you. Andy, that we could use that we could smash together to Probably. make some pretty. Horrific things. I, I I don't think you'd even have to do that much editing. <laughs> just don't just don't call Travis as a witness. That's my only. Just, I would have to just not do any editing. Yeah. <laughs> we won't call Travis, but we will call Syphilis Bear. Oh. He doesn't exist. You can't call a witness that doesn't exist. Oh, I Objection. think he, I think he exists. People should listen to the the music pod. Meet, come meet Syphilis Bear, even if come you don't meet like Syphilis Bear. Can I have bands. Steve Earle defend me? I, can I choose <laughs> Steve Earle as my counsel? Steve Earle, actually, Syphilis Bear played at that show. He brought him oh. up. <laughs> I, I, I mean, mean, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Steve Earle knows everybody, though. I mean, of <laughs> course, I'm not surprised that he even got something that doesn't exist to be on stage with him. That's, <laughs> that's where he gets his syphilis. <laughs> So I think that's our episode, right? I think yeah, so. Sure. I think we did it. Thank you both so much for doing the pod. I appreciate it. Do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? Rebecca, how about you? I do. If you're not a Patreon subscriber to Unplops, please, please consider doing it. And especially for the music podcast. I've loved every single season. When I'm having a bad week, I still go back and listen to the corn season it always makes me happy so highly recommend it's worth the money you guys you should definitely do it hey thanks and i agree thank you i would also like to plug the music pod go listen to it and the sports pod you don't even like sports and you don't even like this band you don't even like sports is technically a spinoff of you don't even like this band but you don't even like sports was called that before you don't even like this band was called you don't even like this band so the name it's all fucking circle of life shit what that right. is andy do you have anything to plug i would also andy. like to... that's okay. how we address andy on the music podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's true it's true <laughs> and i love it i love it i will i will never not love it i would also like to plug the music podcast you don't even like this band not the sports podcast because i'm not on it so why would i plug that sure that makes perfect sense i'm also we just finished season three of look good for the boys season four will be starting in october there's more ghoul school coming and oh i was uh, recently on a, a guest on apocalypse in review podcast talking about the movie night of the comet so whenever that goes up check out apocalypse in review and that's all i have to say very nice and yeah that's all i got for now let's get out of here rebecca say goodbye goodbye andy say goodbye bye bye <laughs> goodbye everybody we love you 